Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Welcome to Life Source. <laughs> My name is John Juliano. If this is the first time you've been to our church, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we are a Pentecostal church. So how awesome is that? And Pentecostal churches are different. How many of you noticed that already? How many of you noticed that we're different? Why, why are we different? I, I tell you why, because we just believe that God is spirit and He wants to move amongst His people. We also believe in this subsequent experience after conversion called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what Pentecost celebrates. And it is just this awesome experience because we literally have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes us. Uh, you know, I, I just love Pastor Adrian's testimony of what happened to him when he was 14 because I had the same experience happen to me when I was 15. And uh, even though I was brought up in church, uh, even though I was saved, I think, when I was six or seven years of age. I got water baptized when I was 13 years of age. It wasn't until I was 15 years of age that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that experience literally changed my life. I became a firebrand. I became an evangelist. I became from, you know, a meek, mild, secret Christian. That's what I used to be, a secret Christian. Nobody knew I was a Christian to an evangelist, like in one day, everybody knew, everybody knew that something had happened to John Giuliano. I wanted to save my whole school. Uh, I was getting into trouble for preaching in class, you know, sort of not listening to what the teacher was saying because I was more concerned about my classmate going to hell instead of going to heaven. And I wanted to get him saved in class. And sure, there wasn't a lot of maturity back then, but there was passion. There was passion. And so let, 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 let me read uh, Acts chapter 2, where it talks about this incredible experience. Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Why, why, why don't we stop there? Why don't we stop there? Because everyone that the Bible was written to in those days understood what the day of Pentecost was. It actually fell in the midst of one of the three great feasts of Israel. So Israel had many feasts, seven feasts, but three of them were called pilgrimage feasts. So three times a year, the men of Israel were called to go to Jerusalem. And uh, these pilgrimage feasts were incredibly significant to the nation of Israel. So, so you say, well, what are these feasts? Well, let me talk to you about the first one. We know it as the Feast of Passover, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this first feast, there was um, some central features. And one of the central features was the lamb. They had to slay a lamb. And it was a perfect lamb. And it symbolized what happened in Egypt 
many years previous where they, they, they slayed the perfect lamb and then the blood of the lamb was painted over the doorpost, the lintels of their house. And when the death angel came to kill the firstborn of Egypt, if the death angel saw the blood of the lamb on the lintels of the door, the death angel would pass over the house and it would be protected from death and destruction. How many of you see incredible symbolism there? And when John the Baptist first saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Passover is our salvation. He shed His blood upon the cross that our sins might be forgiven. Can anybody say amen? Also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Leaven symbolized sin. So if something was unleavened, it was without sin. And so unleavened bread represented Jesus, the sinless man who shed his blood for us. Powerful, powerful symbolisms and powerful metaphors for us as the church. So Passover for us is Easter. It represents for us the focal point of our salvation. Then there was another pilgrimage feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. I love this one. The Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And in this feast, they would go to Jerusalem and literally live in tents for a day or two. It would be sort of a camp out for everybody. How awesome. How many of you would like a camp out in Jerusalem? But the tents represented something. It represented that they actually as a people lived in tents for 40 years. But it wasn't the goal. The goal was the land flowing with milk and honey. And they just remembered and celebrated, you know what, we lived in tents temporarily, but we had a plan by God that we were going to live in the promised land. And so we are celebrating the fact that, yeah, we were temporarily in tents, but now we live in the promised land. So how does it speak to us? Oh, wow, it's so symbolic for us because we too are temporarily living in tents. The Bible actually calls our body a tent that we are temporarily in. We are pilgrims passing through, my friends. We have a land. It's called Shiloh land. It's called heaven. The streets are made of gold. It's where Jesus lives. And we are pilgrims passing through. We're going to the celestial city where there will be no more night. There will be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no no more destruction. There'll be no more sin. It's in heaven with Jesus forever and ever. How many of you are going there? Oh, I tell you. Let me ask it one more time. How many of you are going there? Do you know what happened to those beautiful people that prayed that prayer today, the, the prayer at the beginning? What happened was this, that an angel actually wrote your name in a book. It's called the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And nobody can go to heaven if their name is not in that book. And the only way that you can get that name in the book is not to give money to the church or pay the pastor a bribe. You can't get your name in the book by anything you do. It's by simply believing that Jesus died upon the cross, confessing your sins and asking Him to come into your life. And when you prayed that prayer sincerely today, an angel wrote your name in the book of life and you now have the assurance of eternal life. Come on, if anything deserves a clap, it's that. <clears throat> So then the third feast, so the first feast was Passover. The second feast is Tabernacles. The third feast is the Feast of Harvest. 
It's also called the Feast of Weeks. And you can read this in Deuteronomy chapter 16 actually summarizes it. Deuteronomy 16. And in Deuteronomy 16, 16, it's the call for the men to go to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate these three pilgrimage feasts. But they're all connected to us. And this Feast of Harvest, this Feast of Weeks, is where Pentecost is. And, it's, and, it's, and it symbolizes the fact that God placed them into a land where they can harvest their crops and they can enjoy the beauty of it all. And Pentecost is in the middle of this feast and it's 50 days after Pentecost, after, after Passover. And in the Greek, Pentecost literally means 50. So it's 50 days after Easter. Seven weeks after Easter is Pentecost. So that's why we're celebrating it today because it's 50 days after Easter, seven weeks after Easter. But as in Passover, the focal point was the lamb and the unleavened bread. And as in tabernacles, the focal point was the tents. In this festival of weeks, Passover, the focal point are two loaves of leavened bread. Not unleavened, which represents Christ, but unleavened bread. And what the high priest would do is that he'd get the two loaves and he'd wave it into the air. And I guarantee that a lot of people never understood the significance of this. It's like God placed this this metaphor in the Bible that for centuries they looked at, not fully understanding why in the world are these two loaves of leavened bread representing. And, And I'm here today to clarify it for you. How many of you think it's awesome to have it clarified? Okay, so leavened bread represents people. Unleavened bread represents Christ. Why? Because all of us are imperfect. And leaven always represents imperfection. And so the two loaves of bread is is two very distinct people groups. The first one is the Jewish people through whom we've heard the gospel. The second one is the Gentiles. And right there in the beginning of time, God had it in His heart not only to save the Jewish nation, but also the Gentile nations. And there was this wave representing missions, representing salvation of the whole earth, representing, come on, it's harvest time. And what Pentecost does, it's this focal point of God loving the whole world. For God so loved the world, the whole world, not just the Jewish people, not just one race, but the whole world, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. For God so loved every tribe, every tongue, every nation that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Come on, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. It's the story of the redemption. It's the story of the gospel. How many of you know that when the day of Pentecost fully came, it all became revealed. That which was hidden 
was now revealed. And the Bible says they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. I pray today that you might have a baptism of fire. I pray that as I'm preaching today, the Holy Spirit might fall upon you with a baptism of fire. I pray that fire from heaven, spiritual fire, Fire from heaven will come upon you today. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Other tongues, tongues of fire. It's, it's like it's emphasizing this, this tongues thing. Yeah, honestly, I think the thing that makes all of us Pentecostals seem a little bit weird. How many of you think Pentecostals are a bit weird? There's, there's a lot of weirdness in Pentecostal churches. The way we lift our hands in worship, our music. How many of you know that's just war? I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, how many of you know that a Pentecostal preacher tends to preach loudly? I mean, you know, just the way. I tell you, I can't, I can't preach a soft sermon if my life depended on it. Why is that? Because I just get so passionate. Now, call it Italian. But I've heard some Italian preachers pretty soft. I call it Pentecostal. There's just something about Pentecost that, that puts the fire of God in your belly. You say, John, it doesn't explain why tongues. If there's, yeah, I get the hands lifted up, I get loud, I get all that sort of stuff. But speaking in a language you've not learned before, why that? Well, you know, I ask God of, of all the things, why? I mean, of all the signs that He could have picked, why tongues? Why this, what some people call gibberish? Why is it? You know what I felt the answer was? It was like God saying, you know, the first thing that I want to get hold of in your life now that you want to go to this next experience is your mouth, your tongue. Because it's with your mouth that you preach the gospel. And this whole experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that you might receive power to preach the gospel. So I want to anoint your mouth. I want to get hold of your tongue and make it Holy Spirit led so that you live your life led by the Spirit, that you go where I send you, that you speak what I command you to speak. And in doing that, what happens is that there's other wonderful things that happen when you speak in tongues. Do you know the first person to introduce speaking in tongues to the disciple who it was, it was Jesus. In Mark chapter 16, you can read this when you get home. Mark it down. Mark it down. Mark 16, it says, These signs shall follow those who believe. And one of the signs that Jesus said will follow those who believe is they will speak in new tongues. They will speak. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. This is one of the signs is that you will speak in new tongues. And so they were already expecting it on the day of Pentecost that they would speak in new tongues. So it was a sign. But what else, what else is speaking in tongues? See, the Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. You can read it again when you get home. That when we speak in this new language, this new tongue, we're actually not speaking to men, but we're speaking to God. Now, let me not confuse that if you get the gift of tongues, then you are speaking to men. 
But there's this thing separate from the gift of tongues. I call it the prayer language. And this prayer language is open to every believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And this prayer language enables you not to speak to men, but to speak to God. You just find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. And when you're speaking to God, what are you doing? What you, hey, when you speak to God, you're praying. And so you're praying. Then, then, then the Bible tells us that in our praying, we're actually blessing God. How awesome it is to be able to bless God in the language of the Spirit. I love that. We're not only blessing God, but our spirit is praying. And how wonderful for our spirit to be praying as well. And uh, we're blessing. Our spirit is praying. We're communicating to God. Just incredibly powerful features. And then the third thing. That speaking in tongues does. The Bible says that he that speaks in an own tongue edifies himself or herself, builds themselves up. And so it's like plugging into the voltage of heaven. I love this. I see myself when I begin to speak in other tongues, I'm plugging into the voltage of heaven and the power of God comes into me and something happens to me where I'm able to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm able to prophesy. I'm able to heal the sick. I'm able to do extraordinary things that I wasn't able to do before. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us. And that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said this, You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, power to do what? Power to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, power to change the world, power to make a difference. And can I just say to you that at the beginning of last century, at the beginning of the 1900s, God poured out His Spirit across the world in the rebirthing of the Pentecostal movement. Up until then, there might have been maybe one million people that classified themselves as Pentecostals in all of Christianity across the world. But at the beginning of last century, there was a move of God, not just in Azusa Street in, in, in LA, but in India, in Sweden, in Australia, right across the globe. There were sparks of the Holy Spirit beginning to fall. People started to get filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And what we saw is this, the rebirthing of this Pentecostal movement that was birthed on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And since then, we have seen the greatest in gathering of souls in the history of humanity. Today, there's over 600 million Pentecostals. It is the most powerful force in Christianity. Even in Australia today, the Pentecostal churches are the greatest numbers of Protestant church people in church any given Sunday are the Pentecostals. I can still remember when I was a kid growing up in school in the 60s, they had scripture class. And here I am, Pentecostal kid, and it was like, Petty what? Nobody had heard of it. This is in the 60s, in the 70s. And so I had to go to a Baptist Sunday school, Baptist scripture class, because our definition of Pentecost is, well, we're like the Baptist with a little bit added on, with a whole lot more added on. So theologically, we're probably more aligned with Baptist churches than any of the other churches. 
but with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the 60s. Today, on any given Sunday, outside of the Catholics, it's the Pentecostals that have more people in church than any other Protestant denomination. This is in my lifetime. God's pouring out His Spirit. God is, And our churches are not empty. They're full. We have to put on extra services. Our churches are not just filled with old people. And praise God for the old people. I love the old people. But we're filled with young people. We're filled with people full of life, full of energy, that love Jesus. This is the power of Pentecost. This is because we believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God under salvation to all who believe. Woohoo! And today, you can be filled to overflowing and be a witness for Jesus wherever you go. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.